Hello, it's Craig here, and welcome to the teaching portion of our Sunday Experience Church at Home for Transform Witness. We are so, so delighted that you are here with us today, and I, I'm really excited. I'm really excited by this message that I've got to give. Um, it's been preaching to me throughout the week or so that I've been really looking at it, into it, been doing some really internal stuff for me. So I really hope that you're going to be blessed today by that. We are, of course, picking up um, our current series, Rise Up Living Easter. Now, we're currently in the season of Easter, which, of course, is the most important season in the Christian calendar, where we remember that Jesus not only died for the sins, for the brokenness of the world, but he then rose to life three days later. We are a church that absolutely believes in the bodily resurrection of Jesus and the fact that through that, God's new world has burst into uh, our today. And this series is all about how that uh, reality is not just about 2,000 years ago of an amazing event, but how we can step into the reality now of living Easter now, what it means to live as Easter people. So we're looking at that in all the different weeks that we've been looking at this theme. Now, today I've called the theme Home but not alone. Home, but not alone. How do you and I, uh, many of us will be stuck at home, how do we live in a way that realises that we are not abandoned, that we are not vulnerable, that we're not left exposed, that we're not left on our own, either by others around us or even by God. It's been really hard, hasn't it? Particularly for those who are self-isolating to remember that, yes, they might be on their own a lot of the time, but they're not truly alone. So you and I are not on our own. Now, like lots of people, I have been working from my house and my house is so cold. Don't get me wrong. It's a lovely, lovely space, got big high ceilings. But even in the warmer weather, because for some reason how it's been designed, not a lot of the windows seem to catch the sun streaming in. So it just doesn't warm up the place. So I've been taking to a really quite bad habit um, when I've been working from inside, which is to wear over my clothes my dressing gown. Now, I've actually got um, the thing here. It, it's so good. It's so nice, this dressing gown. I'm just going to put it on. Um, so literally, I'm not joking now. This is a true story. Everything that I've been doing at home in work has been um, in this dressing gown. I have been wearing clothes underneath it, but um, writing, sermon writing, uh, reading, uh, phone calls, anything at all I have been I've been uh, working in this dressing gown and I've even taken to actually when we have our family dinners and teas going outside in the garden with Gemma and the girls and actually wearing the dressing gown now they don't get it for some reason they think it's a bit odd I mean I don't know Um, but maybe it's because I'm from the south but I cannot do with going outside and having tea with two inch high goosebumps the problem is is that actually I've taken to wearing it even when it's actually really quite warm. I'm a little bit worried that I'm actually not going to feel the benefit of it when it actually gets really, really warm when I take it off. And I've also thought about this, that when lockdown ends, I might have to take it abroad. I'm really not sure how that's going to go down. Now, here's the thing. It's times like these, isn't it, that we can feel real exposure to the elements. I'm not just talking kind of physical climate and weather. I'm talking about those internal 
um, things that we get exposed to, either the vulnerability, the loneliness, the anxiety, and the abandonment that we can all feel, and the negativity and the comparison and the mistrust of others. COVID-19, as well as bringing out the best in so many of us, can also heighten our fears of anxiety and that feeling of being abandoned uh, sometimes by others and even by God as we try and work out and wrestle with what is going on in these strange days. And if we're not careful, we can all of us reach for those metaphorical, if you like, dressing gowns to help us to not only deal with those feelings, but sometimes even to escape them as well. Now, of course, the dressing gown can look and take the form of many different things, whether that's simply just not answering the door when someone knocks on the door, whether it's having that extra glass of wine, whether that's self-medicating on social media or Disney Plus. Oh, The Mandalorian, such a good programme. But I digress. There's all of these things that are really good in themselves. Social media is a great way to unwind and to connect. But if we are not careful, we all of us run the risk of using these things, of using them to put our trust in them rather than in God. And we end up um, using them as ways to provide for us. And I'm I'm not actually offering a judgment here but more a diagnosis of those things that that you and I, that human propensity to turn ourselves inward upon ourselves as we turn to these other things. You know, just recently, I was woken up by myself at half four in the morning and I came downstairs and I just burst into tears. Absolutely true story. I just sobbed my heart out to God, just in the, in the loneliness, in the quietness, just thinking, what am I doing? Just reevaluating my, my, my value, my contribution to what's going on. Just thinking, what is this? this is absolutely rubbish what I'm contributing. And, and it was just such a painful process. Those emotions, I guess, that I just buried deep down as I tried to escape from them in other things in, in the dressing gown, they just erupted to the surface. And we find ourselves in that position if We're not careful. You know, it might sound a bit grand to think that actually these things are things that we put our trust in. But have a little check on what's going on in your own routine right now in your life. You know, as lockdown happened, I decided that maybe aside from the usual work and family time, I was going to read something life-giving every day. I was going to call more people than than ever before. Um, But what's happened is I've done a little bit of that, but a lot of it is just spent with clocking up hours of Star Wars programs or on computer games. And that's actually why I ended up in the situation I was with that 4.30 explosion of emotion because I just was medicating and uh, just trusting these things that aren't God, that aren't ultimately in themselves life-giving. Now, I just want to pause for a moment and ask you the question, what has been the dressing gown for you? What have been those things that you may have found yourself turning to, not bad in themselves, but turning to, to put your trust in? What have been the dressing gowns that you have relied on?
One thing I'm, I'm really realising is that these things, the, the dressing gowns, the alcohol, the withdrawing into self-protection, it might seem at the time like it's a really good way of dealing with these feelings. But let's be honest, it never, ever really uh, gives us the goods, does it? Now, if you're feeling vulnerable and abandoned right now, to keep turning in on yourself can make you really, really sick emotionally, physically, and definitely spiritual. And I speak from well-worn experience here. The dressing gown cannot save you. So let me just talk about the one who I believe can. The one who is the saviour, the one who is the rescuer, the one who comes to us in our vulnerability and our abandonment and our feelings of isolation. And the one who wants to bring you and me safety and security, the one who wants to come and live inside of you, make his home within each and every one of us and bring us to a place that feels like home. Of course, I'm talking about Jesus. And he's the one who millions of Christians over millennia have realised that they can put their trust in time and time again, in their vulnerability, in their weakness, in their exposure. And we're going to look at a passage in John chapter 14. And at this point in the story, Jesus hasn't yet died and been raised to life. It's actually the night before he dies. And chapters 13 to 17 of John, beautiful, epic chapters, are really his last recorded words to his disciples as he prepares them for his going away, for his dying. And if you've got a spare, maybe half an hour or an hour this week, I'd really recommend that you read chapters 13 to 17 there. They might be a little bit dense in places, but as I said, really breathtaking in scope, just filled with love and promise and goodness. And so we're just, we're picking up now where we are in our current Bible passage, where Jesus has just talked about going away. He's talking about dying, although his friends don't yet know um, that's the case. And he goes on and talks about this. He talks about his response to this experience of loneliness and vulnerability and abandonment that they, but also we, could feel. Picking up verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other one said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. 
My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus has talked about going away in the preceding 14 verses, about being killed. And here's what he says to prepare them. He invites them to live out their love for him by doing what he's commanded them to do, to do what he says. They've seen his life-giving miracles. They've seen and heard his life-giving words to them. They know with, with maybe flashes of doubt here and there that Jesus is the most brilliant, compassionate, amazing man who has ever walked the face of the earth. And they have got to be with him for three years. But also what's dawning on them by this point is something else, something deeper, that he, Jesus, is the one that they and the whole world have been waiting for. He's the one who's there to flip the world upside down or even right side up again. And Jesus has spoken of love being the most important commandment just in our passage. And he's now implying that that's exactly what he's going to do in blood and guts terms. He's spoken of in the chapter before in 13 of there's no greater love than this than for one to lay down his or her life for her friends. And that's exactly what Jesus does on the cross. He's going to suffer abandonment on the cross so that we can find security. He's going to be left vulnerable and exposed so that we can find safety and find our place with God. We get to find safety and healing and love through his rejection. And Jesus is saying that that is the pattern of life that he is inviting his friends to live themselves, to live the kind of self-sacrificial, blood and guts, self-giving love that Jesus is going to be giving to them. And that, the way they do that, is their proof of their love for him. You know, we can get really hung up on that word command, do what I command, as if it's some kind of stifling or restricting thing. There you go. God wants to control me. He wants to stop me from the amazing things that I'm going to do. He wants me just to simply obey him. And and with respect to you, if if that's what you think, and that's what I thought for a lot of my life, that's actually a wrong reading. You see, Jesus knows that To give ourselves away is the way that we truly find ourselves. The way that we put into practice and trust in who he is, is by doing these things, by loving both him and those around us. You know, the commandment he lays before us to love God and others, it's an absolutely epic joy to follow if we just truly, truly grasped it. Why is that, though? Why is it such a joy to love God and love others? It's because love is about relationships. It's about God and all that he designed us to be, to be for and to others. Richard Plass and James Cofield say in their incredible book, The Relational Soul, 
that relationships are not just important priorities. They are essential for our physical, our psychological, our emotional and spiritual well-being. Get this. They say we cannot live fully alive apart from loving connection with others. And we know deep within our bones, deep within our soul, that 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 is true. That the deepest yearning for us is that we find deep relationships. And we can find that with God and with others with God's help. So here's the good news. Because that might sound like an awful lot of work for you and me. But the good news is that it doesn't start with you and me exerting loads of effort and willpower. It actually starts with God. In the midst of all of that confusion, in the midst of all of the worry of what's going on in that final supper, Jesus' words in verse 18 and 19 to his friends are these. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Jesus is not going to abandon his friends. Yes, he's going to die, but he's going to be raised back to life. And then he promises that he's going to send someone to them who he calls another advocate. That word uh, means comforter or helper, one who stands alongside them. That helper is Jesus' own spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, God's own personal, empowering presence. Jesus says that when we step into following him in obedience, we find find the love of the Father there catching us, with us, willing us on, cheering us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not saying that God will love us only if we obey him. What he's doing is that he's describing this dynamic, expanding, incredibly immersive relationship between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and you and me. That's the kind of relationship that he promises to those of us who find ourselves walking with Jesus. God gives his love to us. And the love that we receive from God, it just spills out so that we love both God in return and those around us. Jesus' last words in this passage then build up to the picture of God coming to make his home inside us. Does that just blow your mind? Let me read it again. In verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. We will come to them and make our home in them. I just want you to grasp that image of God making his home within you right now, as as maybe as explosive and as difficult as that might be. Grasp hold of that image. I'm just going to pause now as we think about the question, what does it make me feel to know that God wants to make his home in me? What does it bring to mind?
Felicity, one of our team members at church, has sadly recently been bereaved of her father. And she shared with us the other week, and I've been given permission by her to to say this, that one of the last things that she got to do for her father before he died was to sing over him a really old but wonderful hymn called, I will be with you wherever you go. Just imagine that at the end of your life, hearing those powerful, profound words. And you know, that's the song that God wants to sing over you and me every day of our lives. That even in your abandonment and feelings of vulnerability, no, I am there with you wherever you go. That's the song that I want to revel in the reality of right now until the very end of my days here. You know, God is so close to you. So, so close. Closer than you think. Closer than the air that you breathe. You might not feel like that at the moment, being on your own. But Jesus says to you and to me, he invites you and me to trust God. To trust that he is closer than you and I think or maybe even feel from time to time. He's not left you alone. He's not abandoned you. He's not left you exposed to those elements. He wants to come and set up his home within you and me. He knows that we've masked our feelings. He knows that we've found those proverbial dressing gowns to try and medicate ourselves away from having to deal with this junk. And you know what? Even in the midst of all of that, he says to you and to me, he says this, come home. Let me set up my home in you. Let me take the chill away from your heart. Let me heal your soul. Let me come and build a house within you and to start renovating and making you and renewing you to be the kind of person that I've always created you to be. One where mistrust has no place in your life, but one where you can fully trust me and give yourself not only to me, but to those that I've gifted to you. Right now, you and I get to trust Jesus, that we can surrender our vulnerability and our exposure and even those feelings of abandonment to him. But what it means is taking off our dressing gowns, the dressing gowns of our lives and handing them over to him. And that can feel like a death. Very often, it feels like ripping something off that's really painful. And the reality is that that is true. It does feel like dying. It feels like dying. It's a death to a false self. A self that has been built up in such a way that we think it's strong, but actually we find it's brittle. But here's the thing. When you and I surrender these things to God, instead, we get something so much better. We get relationship with him. 
we get someone who comes so close, who knows everything about us and starts to bring us on the journey of healing, of rescue, of restoration, of transformation and where and whom we can start to feel at home. This advocate, the spirit who stands alongside you and me, right now he's whispering to you and to me, come home, come home, trust me, let me come and live within you. And if you are someone who doesn't yet know Jesus or has accepted and invited him into your life, then I would just encourage you, maybe right now, even if you're in a room full of other people, just to take a brave stand right now and stand with me. And we're going to pray for you. But also those of you who maybe have been treading this path of Christian uh, followership and discipleship for a long, long time now. Maybe the time and the day now is for you again to say, Jesus, here are my dressing gowns. I want to receive you afresh. I want to feel at home and by doing so, know that I can be in a trustworthy relationship with you and give myself to others. So if we were together in a church service right now, I'd be asking people to come to the front and to be making maybe decisions and for prayer, but we can't do that in these COVID times. So instead, I'm going to invite you to to respond in prayer. You might find it helpful to put your hands out as a response that God is here with you and that you want to surrender those things to him. And we're going to pray for two sets of people. We're going to pray for those of you here who are watching this right now and are saying, right now is the day I want to make a first step of trusting in Jesus and surrendering those things to him and receiving him for myself. And then we're going to pray for the rest of us to simply be able to hand those dressing gowns over and to receive his spirit afresh. So, Father God, we are so in awe of you. The fact that even in those times where we feel vulnerable and exposed, that you are with us. And that you say that you want to live inside us and make your dwelling in us and change us from the inside out. That your heart is for every man, woman and child in this town to receive you, to be restored and enhanced by you. Father, thank you. And for those who are making a decision for the first time now to follow you, we just pray with them right now that Jesus, you would draw close to them. That as they now surrender their lives to you, as they give their lives to you afresh, they'd know your power and your presence in a profound and deep way. And Father, for the rest of us, for those of us who've been on this Christian journey for so long, but still struggle with vulnerability and exposure and abandonment, God, we give ourselves to you now. We thank you that you're here with us. We thank you that we get to be with you and you with us. And so we simply say, come, Holy Spirit, 
Come and fill us afresh, we pray. Amen. And so my hope for you over these next few days is that as you continue to live in this relationship of trust in God, may you truly know that wherever you go, you are not alone, but you are at home with the one who will be with you wherever you go.